Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org, where you will find 300 separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Corey. I'm Corey, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hang on, I'm going to be obsessive and know where I am with regard to time. Um, I'm going to pass some pictures around. Can you guys see me? At least we'll still suffer Yes, I can move the bottle. Um, so, okay, so let me just tell you the pictures. Um, the first three are three graduations, high school, college, grad school, and you can see the difference. The, the next one is uh, me and my partner, um, and then the last one is a professional shot that I had taken not long ago, and um, among many other things, like the fact that I'm a lot smaller than I was, um, you can see in my eyes, like, you know, you can see in people's eyes when they're abstinent, so send those around. Um, uh, It's great to be here. Um, Congratulations, Courtney, for your chip. It's awesome to see you week after week at our shared meeting, and happy birthday, Atusa. I, uh, uh, let's see, I'm nervous. I, I feel like, you know, I don't know any of you are roller coaster people, but like at the top of the Colossus, when you know the 100-foot drop is coming, and I've spoken here many times, but so we'll see what happens. Um, I've, uh, I've been in program, I think last month was 23 years, and um, I, uh, I came in through another program. Um, if you've heard my story, you've heard all this, but I'll start with the basics. Um, I came into Al-Anon. I came to Al. I came to my first Al-Anon meeting because my sister uh, said she needed to go to a meeting. She was directed by a professional to go, and um, she asked me if I would go with her. So I, I think you know we, we talk about God here. First of all, you don't have to believe in God. My experience is that you know that that it's important to find something bigger than you. Otherwise, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. But um, I don't even know what God is for me exactly. I stopped defining it a long time ago. Um, but so I use the word God, which is shorthand for a lot of things. But so um, God works in mysterious ways. And so I went to this Eleanor meeting um, because we were going to go to lunch afterwards. I thought, that's, that's cool. I'll swing by this meeting. With you. <laughs> and I felt like I was cool. And um, I, uh, my sister um, needed me, right, so I could go for her. And I went for her. And we, um, we sat in this meeting. And it was a meeting in – there used to be a – a city bank on the corner of Overland and Pico, and and there were like a whole row of people that were famous that I um, really had looked up to in in the entertainment world, and I thought, wow, that's cool. If 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 those people can come here, and one woman who was crying in her dress was like someone that I had seen in movie after movie after movie, and I was like, wow, there must be something cool here. If those people who are obviously cool could be here. I was much more starstruck at the time. Um, if they can be here, then, you know, maybe it's cool. And I, so I started listening and I heard some things that I related to and um, I wasn't living here. I was just visiting at the time and I went back to where I was living in a little town in Humboldt County and um, I started going to meetings and, and it felt like it, it became cool for me because of the people that I saw in my very first meeting and that's definitely God. 
not that you guys aren't cool because you you are. I just didn't know you were cool. You know what I mean? Like I needed to like I knew that they were cool, and they might not even be cool, but I just thought that they were cool. So um, about nine months after I was uh, in that program, I miraculously must have shared uh, with a friend of mine about my food, which I never did. Food was very intimate. It was really important that you think that I took really good care of myself with food. I've been a type 1 diabetic since I was 9, and the people that I lived in the dorms with when I went through college thought that I didn't eat sugar at all, which is like, I mean, I was binging every day, but they just didn't know. That's how, you know, I was good at hiding it, and um, so I happened to mention something about my food, and she invited me to come to an OA meeting, and I fought for a few weeks because I really didn't think that I was going to fit in here, and um, she said, why don't you check out a meeting, and then if you don't like it here, you can always leave. And that, for me, was like, a, right, there's options. I always, for me, there seems to be a light that goes on in my head in any scenario when I have options introduced to me. Because my head has me thinking that there are no options ever, right? And, and the way that played itself out in compulsive overeating was, if I'm hungry and I feel like i got to have X, the only option is to have X, right? Like, I, I thought the only way to lift the hunger or lift the craving for something was to eat it. And that was my solution before I found program. And what I've learned here is that there are many solutions. And, um, you know, all of the tools that we have, we have 12 steps and 8 tools, and there's a 9 now, I think. And, um, and those are options, and, and I'm good with options. I, I, my, my mind opens up with options. I had a sponsor once say to me that she said, I can hear your mind close. <laughs> and I thought, that doesn't sound flattering, but anyway. Um, and she was right. She could. Um, so how do I know I'm a compulsive overeater? I was thinking about this today. Like I, how, do, how do I know that I'm not just somebody who struggles with food a little bit? Well, I know because um, I, uh, if they ask for help clearing the table, I would clear the table so I could go into the kitchen with the leftovers, right? If I, um, okay, the following things don't count, right? Samples at Costco. If I I sliver a cake to death as long as I go back every time and step away, like that doesn't count, right? Those are things, like that's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, If I'm sad and I want to eat, that's not normal with food. If I um, eat until the point that I'm full, which makes me want to eat more. I don't think normal people do that. But in here, like everyone's, you know, we, we all get it. So that's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater versus just somebody who maybe struggles with food a little bit. Um, and it took me a long time to really get that. Like I, I wanted, I don't think I thought about it in a linear way, but I really wanted to come here and sort of figure out, like, what's the food plan and, you know, let me get through the steps and let me... And then let me go out and live my life having recovered ED. And I, um, my experience after 23 years is that my, if I skip a week of meetings, my head gets crazy in a way that I know that I need to be here. And, and when I'm, my head is crazy and I get to a meeting, the, the sanity that ensues lets me know that this is my place to be. Um, so I'm lucky about that. Um, I mentioned when, when I was nine, I was diagnosed as a diabetic, and um, in, in, things were different now with diabetics, but in those days, um, everyone watched my food, and I, I, I spoke at something um, professionally a little while ago for diabetics, and, and I talked about something that, um, you know, in, in the world, like I, 
I, I used to swim every day, and when I would swim, I would clip my insulin pump onto my bathing suit, and people would come up to me and say, oh, don't forget to take off your cell phone before you get in the water, and I'd say, no, it's an insulin pump, and then they go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, and they'd back away, but if, if I'm eating something that somebody perceives as what a diabetic shouldn't eat, people have no problem saying, should you be eating that, you know, like, come on, really, did I invite you into my food, but um, I, uh, so I, I learned sneak eating. I also thought, by the way, if you don't see me eat it, it doesn't matter. Um, and I did a lot of eating when nobody saw me. And I um, suffered some pretty major complications as a diabetic. Luckily, everything's still intact. I haven't lost anything. But um, I, uh, I had surgery on my eyes when I was 17 because I, I started having retinal bleeding, which is a side effect of being a diabetic. Um, and you would think, having people tell me that since I was nine, that that would be enough for me to stop binging. But that's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater, because that wasn't enough. And it wasn't like I thought, I, I want to kill myself. I thought, I, you know, no, I, tomorrow I'm not going to do this. And then tomorrow I would do it again, right? I mean, that was my sort of my swan song. Tomorrow, or I'll start on Monday, or, um, well, I've already, and this happened to me a lot when I was new in program when I was trying to get abstinent, um, like, well, today's already a wash, so I might as well start again tomorrow. And I think when I was able to get abstinent, finally, it was when I could say, wow, that was a really difficult meal. I'm, I, I'm, I don't feel good about that. I'm going to do some esteemable things today and, and pick myself up and go on. Um, I, I made a list a bunch of years ago. I think this was um, in 1999 for one of my birthdays, um, my OA birthdays. And it was a thing, you know, there, there were like, it's sort of passe now, but there were, there used to be all these calendars that you could buy, like everything I know I learned from my cat or, you know, whatever, my shrink or whatever. And, um, and when those were around, I realized that everything, almost everything that I know about being an adult, I learned here in program. So I made a list of what those things are. So I'm going to share this list with you. Um, so I have learned how, uh, in program, imperfectly, to sit with feelings, make friends, and maintain long-term relationships, fall in love without losing myself. That was not easy. Um, uh, love myself and take esteemable actions that support that. Make calls, pick up the phone when it rings, and screen my calls when it's appropriate, like when my mother calls. Um, listen, <laughs> and maybe there will be time to share about her. Um, listen without fixing, how to say no, how to say yes how to express my needs and not hold you responsible for meeting them, um, how to laugh so hard my stomach hurts and cry so hard I wonder if I'll ever stop. I, I didn't have feelings when I came in. Like, I, like I, I'm always so impressed with people who have 30 days or whatever, and they say I have all these feelings coming up. And I was somebody that was so probably way before I was eating, I was so intellectually defended that there were, nobody was getting in and nothing was coming out. So it took me a lot of years to be able to have my feelings match what was really happening for me inside. So um, I learned how to connect with the God of my understanding, who I do not understand. Um, I learned how to accept compliments without some, like somebody saying, oh, you look really nice. Oh, but you look nice too. You know, it's like maybe they do and maybe they don't, but I, I have to let it in first before I didn't know how to do that. Um, I know I learned how to carry a protein bar with me so I don't get stuck with unworkable options. I get into a lot of trouble when my blood sugar's low and there's and I have no nothing with me, so I've learned how to not do that. Um, I've learned that uh, it doesn't matter where I am on the sick, healthy continuum. It just it matters in what direction I'm headed. Um, I've learned that nobody cares how fast or slow I recover. 
that my parents were responsible for my childhood and I'm responsible for my recovery. That I'd, I'd rather struggle alone and recover with people, but I can't recover unless I allow people to witness my struggles. Um, that I'm not better or less than anyone, I'm just one of my sisters and brothers. That uh, sometimes my most appropriate action is to take no action. That God's plans for me are far better than I could have ever ma- imagined. That sometimes when I do things I don't want to do, I feel better. That I can't get my needs met by restricting people, food, love, cats, uh, my needs, my cats, or food. Restricting and controlling people or my cats or food. Um, uh, That saying that I'm not perfect enough to be a perfectionist is indeed the perfectionist in me speaking. Um, that high-class problems hurt as much as survival problems. They just look better on the outside. <laughs> that I'm not broken in need of fixing. That my character defects served me very well at the time I began using them, um, but they don't serve me uh, in the life that I've created today. That I find God in hiking at the beach with the dolphins in the early morning on the big blue bus, laughing with friends and talking about life with my partner. That God is everywhere, not just up in the sky. That I'm almost done. That prayer is a process, not an event. That screaming at God is a prayer. Um, that it's okay if I fall asleep during meditation. Um, that uh, the world is not always safe, but I can find safe people in it. That you can peel the layers of the onion, but you're never going to get celery. That um, instead of praying for God to be with me, <laughs> instead of praying for God to be with me, I pray to remember that God is with me because God's always with me. Um, and then there's some uh, some poem that I read in some 12-step thing that said even sunshine burns if you get if you get too much. So um, those are just like a like a little bit of the things that I've learned here and things that I probably just do intuitively that I don't even know that I got here. Um, so uh, when I first came in, I um, I was living in this small town. There were two meetings a week. And um, I've shared this before, probably every time I've spoken at this meeting. But if you went to both meetings, people assumed you were having a really hard week. And, um, and, and, I, and that was sort of like, it's so different in L.A. You know, like here people go to 30 and 30, and there it was like in 30 years. What? Like there are two meetings a week. And then you could go to the next town, and there would be another two meetings, but nobody did that, right? And now, like, I've ridden my bike further to get to a meeting um, here than I would have driven there. But it's just small-town culture. And... Um, I, uh, there wasn't a lot of, like the recovery here is really amazing in Los Angeles. We are really lucky here. The recovery there was really different, but I did meet some people that I got connected to. I got a sponsor right away. I heard people talking about the steps, and I didn't know what they were, but I wanted to take them. I really wanted to get through them so I could be done with them, but I wanted to take them. And I, people talked about getting freedom from working the steps, and I, um, I didn't know what that was, but I wanted freedom. I, I knew I needed freedom. I felt so trapped by this disease um so I started working the steps and um I I with my very first sponsor she had worked them in another program and um she said she would take me through the steps and we went through the steps together to step four and then I stopped and then when I moved to Los Angeles in 1990 I um I got another a couple of sponsors and finally got a sponsor and worked the steps all the way through um and I I learned some really amazing things like I was thinking about this this week about my food plan. Like people, I think the last time I spoke at this meeting, someone said, like, what's your food plan or some question like that. And, you know, there, there isn't anything specific that I could tell you, here's what I do and here's what I don't do. Although there are a few specific things. But mostly, I, I think that sponsor, when I did my first four step, I did it um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. There are some columns. There's a column way to do your four step, your inventory. And 
um, I did the column way, and she had me add a column. So there's like what happened, you know, uh, what's my part, you know, what's the character defect, like there's these columns. And she had me add one of what would a woman who loves herself do. So I originally heard that as like, what should I have done better? And she, because that, that was, you know, my thinking. And, and she said, um, she said, no, 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 no. It's not about being punitive looking backwards. It's about should this come up again, giving yourself options, right? Like I said, options, giving yourself options of how, you might be prepared to handle it differently. And so, um, you know, with my food plan, I think about what would a woman who loves herself do. Today, I, I'm having a, just a difficult time in my life right now. I, um, some of you know this, but I, um, my father killed himself two years ago. He killed his wife and he killed himself. And the anniversary was a week ago yesterday. So, you know, it makes sense. It's an anniversary time. And, um, you know, my mother and I are... She's one of the more difficult people in my life and kind of mentally ill. And tomorrow's Mother's Day, so I'm going to be seeing her. And, um, you know, as much as I work my program, I, there's a part of me that still gets triggered by my mother. And at this point, it's about sort of like accepting that when I'm in my mother's presence, I just that part just gets triggered. And then I take care of myself afterwards. And um, I uh, so it was a difficult day today. So I woke up this morning and I um, went for coffee, like I always do, and my partner and I went to the beach. And then I came home and I was and I went back to sleep. And I just was doing all the things that I used to do in my eating disorder, like went back to sleep, turned the TV on, didn't want to do anything, getting obsessed with Facebook. And um, there's a line in the big book about, um, you know, and the thought suddenly occurred to me. So then he finds himself drinking and pounding on the bar. And um, today the thought suddenly occurred to me that I could probably take a walk and some of this might lift. And that, i got to tell you, is I, I think that's my higher power. That's certainly not me. Like, my, the, my thoughts that, or, or my disease's thoughts, are usually like, have a little something to eat. It'll give you energy, you know. Um, I mean, assuming, like, my blood sugar's fine, like, all, all of this, you know, all of the logistics are fine, but, um, or, or um, weigh yourself. That will help you feel better. <laughs> and I don't know. We don't even own a scale. But there's one at the gym. You know, weigh yourself. And that will give you energy. Um, so uh, so today I went for a walk. Like, I have this little red wagon. And I took my little red wagon, took the market list, got the shopping done, walked back, and I felt better. Right? And, and it's not that I'm without feeling because it's certainly – it's an emotional time, but I took care of myself differently. And I think, you know, some of that's God. Some of that's like habit. Like I've heard, not necessarily in these programs alone, but it takes 30 days to, to change a habit. And so maybe because I'm used to taking a walk when, you know, I'm in that space, maybe it's just a habit. Thank you. Um, I don't know. But all I know is I took care of myself today. And um, I take care of myself a lot, a lot of days in succession. But today, one day at a time, I took care of myself. And that's it, right? That's what we, we get one day at a time. Um, so let's see. So I have um, I've worked all 12 steps many times. These days, I think I, I kind of work them as I need them. Like, um, I, there, were da- there were times where I did a 10-step every single night, a written 10-step every single night. And I did it differently with different sponsors. One of the ones that I liked the most, um, the formats, was... Um, she had me write a letter to God, and then she had me write a letter back from God. Mm-hmm. And um, after, like, doing other things, like check spot-checking my day, um, I usually, 
think about um, like are there am I am I hacking on any emotional fur balls from the day that need to come up? You know, pardon the the graphic nature of my mind, but um, but I think about that and then I put them up on paper. You know, um, and she had me write a letter to God and then a letter back from God. And I um, when I first started doing it, they were my letters to God were complex. They were like. God, I'm resentful at this, and then, you know, and they were like these long ten steps at night, and um, and the letter back was complex, and and over time in doing them, there's a line in the big book which I think also may be biblical, but I'm not really sure. I'm not a biblical person, um, but it, it says, "Be still and know that I am God." And and over time, as I wrote my letters to God, giving God my emotional furballs from the day. What I got back was be still and know that I'm God, and that that for me was really um, like that for me gives me options, you know. Like I, I just I, I just have to be still. I can have all the feelings that I have, but one of the things that um, and I think this is maybe pretty common among compulsive overeaters. I was very I was extremely anxiety based, but I didn't know it because when I was anxious, I ate or I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off or I controlled people or I did whatever I did and um, I didn't know that I was anxious and so when I slowed down I started to realize how anxious I was and um, I don't I'm still not great with anxiety and being in anxiety but I the difference is be still and know that I'm God like that that reminds me that um, that if I get quiet like that's the solution so um Let's see what else. My mind just uh, went blank. Um, so okay. So in 23 years. So one of the things that I, um, I that I didn't know um, when I came into program. I okay. So um, I'm a lesbian, and so for the world to know that now. And, um, I uh, I didn't know that when I came in. I thought I, I I tried to in so many ways in my life, true to being a compulsive overeater tried to, you know, force myself into situations that didn't feel right, but I thought it was where I was supposed to be. So I, um, I, I tried to force myself into this lifestyle that didn't really match for me, and I, um, and it left me hungry. <laughs> like, I mean, any story I could tell you basically about my life, uh, the solution for me in, in my eating disorder was, and it left me hungry, or, mm-hmm. and it left me feeling like I needed to control my food because I felt fat, or, um, but I learned, um, at some point along the way, and the, the story is far too complex, I learned that I was, um, instead of thinking every time I saw a woman that I was attracted to, that all I needed to do was find a man that made me feel that way, I thought, well, maybe there's something to this being attracted to women. And I, um, I in, in program, in recovery, through abstinence, um, started dating like a banshee. I had never, ever done that. I, I was the kid. I was very quiet, extremely shy, really insecure, really... Um, I thought I was too fat, too ugly, only the pretty girls. I went to school in Beverly Hills. I went to Beverly Hills High School. So, um, you know, it, that's not a religion, so I can talk about it. But um, it was, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was a good education. But I, I um, in fourth grade, I, up until fourth grade, I lived in the valley. So I was a valley girl. And then in fifth grade, I was in Beverly Hills. And I, I wore, like, pants from Sears. And all these women were, like, Shemenda fair pants, you know, and the big whatever. And um, it was just different than who I was. And I um, was just very socially awkward and very uncomfortable. And I um, 
and I thought like those are those pretty girls are the ones that get to have all the things in life and um I grew up with people who had an enormous amount of affluence and we didn't we we lived you know on the, the way south side of Beverly Hills and we just didn't have those things that I thought would make you happy I, I still by the way think that um that if I had more money I'd be happy but what I know as somebody who's in recovery with an addiction is that um, if I had more money, then I'd think if I had more money, I'd be happy. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I would. Maybe I could buy more therapy and go to more meetings a week if I had more money. But then I'd be, then I'd, you know, find myself at probably at the same level of debt. You know, I'm not in debt, but it's like, then I'd have a bigger mortgage. It's like, my, my head will always say, you know, if you're thinner, then you'll feel better about yourself. Or if you had more money, or if you had a better car, if you had this or you had that. And, um... I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I guess I see it now in my head. I also know that um, I like my little car. I love my condo. Um, it's not the affluence that I grew up beside growing up in Beverly Hills. And it no longer scares me when I'm around people that have that. Like, I no longer see, I used to put up a fence, like, the pretty girls, me. The thin girls, me. The affluent people, me. The, uh, I put up this fence and it really, it, it, um, Probably on some level, I constructed it to make me safe or to make me feel like I was safe, but it separated me from the world. So that's one of the things in coming here um, that I, like, I, I have no idea what you guys do. For, I mean, some of you, what you do for a living, but how much money you make, what kind of car you drive, maybe, you know, and it doesn't really even matter. Like, we, I don't, I don't have that as a first impression of you all to be able to put up a wall. If I get close with people and I find that out about them, I'm already close with them. There's nothing, you know, there's no wall that I can pre-construct to, to be able to convince my compulsive overeater mind that we are not the same. Um, and I think that's sort of been a spiritual experience for me, too, that um, in believing in God or spirit or whatever it is for me, um, that we are, all, we are all from a source. And, and we're all, we all have our gifts and we all have our weaknesses and maybe we're all here to work it out together and, um, and that I don't have to hate you for the things that you have that I don't have. It, in my family, envy was a big thing and it's part of why I'm not looking forward to seeing my mother tomorrow. Like, um, envy, if, if, if you have what I don't have and I want it, then I'm going to have to take yours or I'm not going to get it. Like, that sort of was the, that's sort of the through line of the, the process in my family and and I and I went into the world with that if if you were successful in the career that I'm in I somehow needed to like just take you down a notch and um somewhere along the line I was able to see that here in doing inventories and seeing wow there's that pattern again and there's that pattern again and well there it is again and you know my sponsor would say I don't think that's the other person's part I think that's your part and I, you know, after I swore at my sponsors or whatever, then I'd say, oh, yeah, you know what? That comes up again and again and again, and that's mine. And um, when, when I first came into the program, I heard people talk about being selfish and self-centered. There's that, the, that lingo in the big book. And um, I thought, like, there are some compulsive readers who are selfish and self-centered, and then some like me who aren't, really. We just want to, you know, help people. And we think about ourselves when it's necessary, really. But, no, we're not, you know, and... Um, 
one of my sponsors, God bless her, said, maybe, could, could you hear it if I said you're self-focused? <laughs> and I, I, could, I could hear self-focused sometimes, right? And then um, along the line, I said, you know, like, wait just a minute here. I think that self-focused really means self-centered. And I got to see how I really was. I didn't think I was. Here's my thinking. Um, my thinking is, okay, so if, if you're um, doing something that I don't like, and I control it so that it's my way, it's not really self-centered. That's the right way, right? If, if you do something that I like, then I'm definitely, then I'm focused on you, and how is that self-centered? So, um, so that's how my mind works. My, my mind, um, I was good with denial. It, it profoundly helped me. It helped me in ways, probably survival ways growing up. And then I tried to use all these tools that I got growing up, and they didn't work in the world. Like, I couldn't have healthy relationships with people where I didn't lean too hard on you or I didn't let you lean too hard on me using the tools. You know, like, I, I, I had to learn new tools. So, um, one of the, you know, there are many gifts of this program. One is that, my, that I'm really healthy, that my blood pressure, my cholesterol, all of those things, my blood sugar numbers are all great today as long as I come to meetings. Like, you know, I'm really aware that if I miss a meeting, even if it's like traveling or that I start to get a little, I, my, my mind starts to go, oh, maybe I can do this, right? So I know that I'm, that I'm, I'm not, um, not recovered. I'm in recovery. I get to have this process. They, the big book says um, contingent on a fit spiritual condition. And one of, the, one of the things, one of the tools that I need for me is to be in rooms with other compulsive overeaters who are talking about being in recovery from compulsive overeating or struggling or whatever it is that we all talk about. I need to hear that. That keeps me, keeps my feet on the ground. Um, so I, um, well, I was talking about dating. I don't know how I got off on that tangent, but um, I learned a lot about myself in dating. I, I, again, okay, so the selfish and self-centered thing. I didn't think in, in, in dating, 10 minutes, okay, um, I didn't think in dating that um, I really thought that I uh, that you had to be the same as me and always like like the same kind of movies like the same kind of food and I was <laughs> I was in the car this week with my partner who I adore we've been together for a little over five years and um, not to get political but we'll get married someday um, when we can and. Um, I wonder who's listening to this. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, we, we were getting on the freeway during rush hour on Santa Monica Boulevard. We're getting on the 405. And the person in front of us made this really stupid move. And my partner, like, screamed out the window. And, and I... And, and she, the first time she ever did that was, like, on our fourth date. And I have had enough recovery at that point where... I, I had dumped women for doing things like that. Like, oh, my God, they're so angry. These people are so angry. I cannot. Uh, no, the next date is off. And um, both with the help of my sponsor and my therapist, I, I got to see how I'm not a rager externally. Like, I, I grew up in a, in a house filled with rage. And um, I didn't ever want to look like my father and my mother and be, be a rager. So what I did was got really quiet and seething with my rage. And I, I can cut you with words, and, and you might not even know that it came from me. Like, I just was like that kind of like, <laughs> and um, so on date number four, when I was uh, 
my partner did something similar. Someone cut her off, and, and you know, she, she makes amends, and she's like, I'm sorry, I got afraid, and then I said stupid things, and, and I'm just, one day she's going to flip someone off, and, you know, we're going to be running from something. But um, on day number four, when she did that, I was able to say, you know what, Corey, you have anger too, but it doesn't look like that. But maybe instead of focusing on her anger, maybe you give her a chance, get to know her, and see how angry she really is. But also, you work on your own anger. Like, I got to, you know, that's like, then I got to flip it and be self-focused in, like, a really important way. Um, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't know how to do that before. Like, I, I really, I, I was the, sort of the queen of projection. And a friend, really good friend of mine in program, when I was in the thick of, like, dating, I was doing, like, dating, 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 and, um, it wasn't a documentary for lesbian dating. It was really fun. A roundabout way of getting there, and I'm not an actor or anything, but um, it was a really bad date, actually. But um, I, uh, a friend of mine said to me, you know, maybe when you own your own anger, you'll stop dating angry women. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, I own my own anger. So I, I, I um, started to create a relationship with my own anger, and I found that I started... Um, not dating women who were as angry. So there's that. Um, and there's that. Right? We get to go to bed with that every night, um, mm-hmm. knowing that I can own my own feelings and not project them on somebody or whatever. So um, it, if I stop now, do we get to go to questions? Or Okay, so I'm going to stop. I feel a little bit sort of like I've been all over the place, but, um, but that's part of my story. If you want to know more, you're welcome to call me. Thanks. Yeah, the, the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You said I talked about getting in touch with my feelings. Yeah, knowing what you were Knowing what I was feeling um, and, and where I went with that and, and how kind of that process. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so knowing what I was feeling, I um, when I was out there, you know, when I was in my eating disorder before any of this stuff, um, I had two feelings. I had hunger and I had... Uh, shame, which I now don't think is a feeling. I think it's like a some wasteland that I go to. But um, and and it was when my, I had sponsors who started saying to me, "It sounds like you were sad," or or like my therapist would say, "That sounds so sad," and I'd be like, "Really? It doesn't sound so sad to me." You know, I mean, and there were things in my house that are definitely sad, but I just didn't. I didn't. It didn't match for me because I never felt it the first time. So. Um, I, I think I got, it kind of got mirrored to me by other people, and mostly by sponsors. You know, when I was doing step work with them, they would say, wow, that's that, that's really intense, how sad. And I'd be like, oh, my God, well, maybe that's sad. Maybe I'm sad. You know, maybe I'm not, but maybe I am. So, like, I had to create a relationship with that part of me that I didn't ever know. Yeah, uh, the question is, can I share any insights about what I learned for doing that extra column in my fourth step? Um, yeah, I mean, mostly what I shared about... Um, that I, I, I got to see in that moment when my sponsor, when I said to my sponsor, okay, so here, and here's the column where this is what I should have done. And she said, um, well, no, 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 I didn't, it, I didn't mean it to be what you should have done in the past. What I meant was, it, you know, how would it, like, if moving forward, should you find yourself in this position again, how might you handle it? I got to see how much I operated from that place of shame. Like, my first thought was, oh, my God, what should I have done better? How much do I suck? And she was like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you handle, like, if, if all you have is a hammer, you know, and you're trying to cut a piece of wood in half, that's what you got. 
maybe, you know, next time you'll know to pick up a saw on the way to the piece of wood. Like, that was sort of, for me, that's, that's what I, I really got to see it so clearly by just that switch. Mm. So the question is, um, having a lot of anxiety, how does one manage that professionally and um, be able to slow down enough to be able to create professional ventures? Um, yeah, well, um, I was on medication once. That helped. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> for a short time when it got really intense, but, um, but it definitely helped, and I learned a lot. But um, So how do I my anxiety um, professionally well you know what okay here's the deal I, I was in a subway sandwich one day and there was somebody training and they were so nervous learning how to make a sandwich because they hadn't ever made sandwiches before and I and I thought to myself like my first thought was oh come on it's a sandwich like who doesn't want to make a sandwich and then I thought you know what but they've never made a sandwich before like maybe I've never I've got anxiety about things that I've never done before but once I once I do them then the anxiety will decrease but like I never gave myself permission like I grew up in a family where you need to know things before you know how to know them Mm -hmm. and um I never gave myself permission to get to learn things and to find mentors and I think I learned that here with sponsorship then at work, I found people, and I didn't call them sponsors, but I was like, oh, this is like my work sponsor. And a friend of mine said, that means they're a mentor to you. And a program friend of mine, she said, yeah, when you have sponsors in the workplace, that's a mentor. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Like, find people who have what you want and ask them how you did it. So that, that, I think that really helped a lot when I noticed, like, everybody doing something new has a certain amount of anxiety. They might not get overcome by it like I do or maybe like you do, but... But there's fear because it's new. Like, fear in and of itself isn't bad. It's just when I let it fester and make me stop that that's when, for me, it becomes a character defect. So how do I connect with my higher power? Um, Wow, in lots of ways. Um, There's nothing for me like a good bike ride. Um, I mean, I think doing the things that I love, that I have passion about, I love um, if I have a whole day to myself with nothing, nowhere to be. I love jumping on a bus. And, like, watching the world through the window. Like, for me, that allows me to slow down enough that I, I just am, like, so I sort of feel like I'm letting God guide my day. Um, I also think just slowing down sometimes and just remembering, like, be still and know that I am God. For some reason, that phrase, and someone actually said to me, by the way, that you can that you say, be still and know that I am God, and then take off a word every time you say it. So, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that. Be still. You know, and... Um, I little things like that that I do. But um, mostly, you know, it's like remembering that that I'm not running the show. It helps me feel connected. So, I, I mean, there's lots of ways, but those are just some off the top. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you.